You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Hi, Whole Vineyard friends and family. My name is Josh. I am one of the assistant pastors here at the church. I have the privilege and the honor of sharing a message with you this morning. We're in a season of returning as a church. We're in a season uh, where God is speaking loudly and clearly, inviting us to return to him, inviting us to come home, inviting us to come back once again to our first love. We've been journeying through the book of Jonah, and I don't know about you, but as we've been talking about returning, as we've been talking about Jonah, my heart has been like, oh Lord, I know I need to return. I know I want to return. I know that is what you're calling us to do, me to do in this season. Um, And yet I'm also at the same time thinking, how do I return? What does it look like to return? Monday morning, when we're homeschooling the kids, what does it look like to return? When we're feeding the baby at four four o'clock in the morning, what does it look like to return? When we're doing online Zoom classes at university or at school, what does it look like? to live close to the Lord and to come back to him? What does it look like when we're just feeling overwhelmed up to our neck? What does it look like in those moments of desperation and trial and struggle to return to the Lord? It's an amazing and important question. And really that's what I want to talk about today. The title of my message, if you're taking notes, is how to practice returning because Returning is not just a one-time thing. It's not just found in one moment, a prayer that you pray and then that's it forever. It's not just found in kind of boxed into 21 days of prayer and fasting. But actually returning is a practice that we're called to um, implement into our lives day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. It is that lifestyle. It's a daily decision to return, to come back to the Lord, to realign our hearts and our lives and our minds and our thoughts and our priorities and our values with him, with Jesus, the King of Kings. And so we're in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament, chapter 2. I'm going to read three verses and bring out three simple um, tools to help us in this practice of returning. Um, We're going to start in verse 7. And we're going to read three verses, seven to verse nine. And um, words are going to come up on the screen, but if you can grab a Bible, that would be wonderful. And then let's jump in. This is what it says in verse seven. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. These are the final few verses of Jonah's prayer. It's a powerful prayer. It is the prayer as he's 
we find him in the belly of a fish. Imagine how crazy that would be. I don't think Jonah ever realized he would be let out of the fish. He just wanted to get his heart right. This is the prayer of a desperate man. This is a prayer of a man um, who has gone beyond himself, who is at rock bottom, who is surrounded right now, I imagine, by fear and maybe shame and guilt. He has run away from God and he is at his lowest and weakest moment. And yet it is also a prayer of returning. I don't know about you guys, but as we have journeyed through the pandemic, as we have walked through pain and trial and trauma and loss and grief in every one of us, our own different way, there's kind of been this awakening to the reality that maybe we have settled for less in our life with Jesus. I wonder if for some of us we'd become a little too safe, a little too comfortable. Maybe the wildfire of our desire for Jesus had waned. We had wandered maybe from our first love. For some of us, maybe we had become distracted from the call of God and distant to him and his voice. In other words, our, our gaze had been commandeered and our hearts had been plundered. In subtle ways, Maybe some of us have been running, kind of like Jonah, just running away from the hard call, the narrow way, the life of surrender, the, the way of the cross and doing our own thing. And maybe this is all just under the surface, like there's loads of good stuff happening in life and in church. And yeah, we recognize that maybe we've settled for less. And then the pandemic hits and everything gets shaken and stripped away. And maybe we realize, man, I just settled for less when the call of God on us is for so much more. See, Jonah right now in this prayer has found himself in a moment where everything is stripped away. He is at his lowest. He's, he's at rock bottom. And yet God had to get into that place so that God could do something in him which released divine destiny and kingdom obedience. This is Jonah's weakest moment when my life was fainting away. This was his weakest moment, but he had to get there so that God could release revival into a nation. And I think we're in a similar time. Uh, God is moving. God is stirring. God is doing some incredible things, and he's calling us to return. And let me just say, in parenthesis, if you feel right now, guys, that you are at your weakest moment, if you feel just beyond yourself, up to your neck, struggling, just know God is preparing you for something remarkable. If you're only able to turn back to him, he will use you to change the world. In his latest book, The Reset, Jeremy Riddle, a worship pastor at Anaheim Vineyard in the States, he writes this, he says, my friends... I too have been tempted, sifted, caught up in and blinded by many of these same pitfalls. I'm not judging, I'm simply pleading that we recognize the sovereign hand of God moving in this hour and with fear and trembling consecrate our lives afresh, our gifts, platforms and favor to see an even greater awakening and release of his glory on the earth. Then he goes on to ask these powerful questions. 
Will we yield the whole of our lives again? Will we earnestly repent and return to the purity we started in? Will we forsake the earthly and foolish ambition that currently abounds and masquerades as spirituality? Will we respond to his moving by cleaning house and purging the inner chambers of our own temples from all that has corrupted and polluted our first love? God is calling us to return. So what does it look like to return? Well, practicing returning from this passage involves our mind, our heart, and our feet. Let's start with our mind. This is what Jonah says in verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. My first point is this. We must remember the Lord. Jonah says, I remembered him. In other words, I had forgotten the Lord. Church, how easy is it to forget the Lord? To be consumed by everything we've got going on, by the daily grind, by the nine to five, by maybe our problems and our pain and the the Goliath of the pandemic. How easy is it to forget the Lord? How easy is it to be captured by the, the pleasures and the fleeting success that our world offers? How easy is it to forget the Lord? To go through our day without thinking about him or involving him, without considering him, trusting in ourselves, living in self-reliance, self-dependence, without going to him for wisdom and guidance and counsel and comfort every day to live away from him. Jonah had forgotten the Lord. He'd heard the call of God, but he'd forgotten the caller. And church, we have to remember the Lord. Returning starts with remembering. Why? Well, we were born for relationship. We were born for relationship. But a great question to ask in that is, okay, we talk a lot about a relationship with God. What kind of relationship do we have with God? Is God like a father as Jesus defined our relationship? Or is he like a grandfather? So if God's like a grandfather, then maybe we check in once every few weeks, we sit on his lap, um, we get a suite, um, and, and then we say goodbye and maybe don't speak to a grandfather for a few weeks, give him a quick phone call every now and again, and then that's it. But if it's like a father, then that's different. Because our relationship with our heavenly father should be one that is marked by moment by moment intimacy, life with him. Constant communication, being aware of his presence. Imagine, you know, when you were a little kid and you would look to your dad and you just know your dad was there. Or you, he was present. He was guiding you. He was with you. You could talk to him anytime. That is the kind of relationship we have to, um, we've been invited to participate in with our Heavenly Father. I've just had a baby. Well, I say I, say I had a baby. My wife had a baby. Her name is Ivy. She's four months old, four and a half months. And uh, we love her. She's adorable. And um, she's at the age and stage now where she's learning to get what she wants. Okay, so um, she's learning that if she makes a certain noise or does something in a certain way, we respond by giving her exactly what she wants. It's, it's pure manipulation, uh, but she's learning that if she makes a certain noise, like if she cries in a certain way, then we will rush over. And you're thinking, yeah, you're meant to be doing that. Yeah, I get that. Um, but sometimes, she, well, here's the thing. She doesn't like napping, okay? I don't know if there's any parents out there that have experienced this, but Ivy is not a nap fan, especially during the day. So we put her down, and she will think, I don't, I don't want to nap right now. 
I want to play with mummy and daddy so then she will start to cry. Now we're really conscious, you know, if she's crying, I want to make sure she's okay. So we wait a few minutes, is she crying? Yeah, okay, she's crying. We'll pop in and, um, and I'll look at her and I'll walk in. As soon as she sees me, she stops crying, she starts laughing and I look at her and there are no tears in those eyes. And what I realize is that right now we're playing a game. And it's a game that she is winning and I am losing. And so the other day I'm leaning over the cot and I'm looking at her and she's smiling and I'm like, I thought you were crying. And I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show 24, big fan. Um, but I lean over and I say to Ivy, Ivy, here's something you need to know about our family. Look at her and I go, we do not negotiate with terrorists. And then I hear a voice in the background saying, Josh, and I realize that Hannah's watching and listening to me on, uh, on our baby monitor. She can hear everything. And I'm like, oh, that's really awkward. I don't know what I'm doing. So then we pick her up and, and cuddle her and then put her back down. And uh, we're on the journey. If you've got any tips, please let us know. Um, but babies teach us so much about our faith, don't they? Um, if you've had kids, you, you'll know that. Um, and I want to tell you a moment, about a moment I had with Ivy um, and kind of the Lord. I wrote it in my journal and um, I, wanted to, to read, I wanted to read it to you because it was a profound moment that really changed how I viewed um, God and how I viewed my life and how I viewed my relationship with my Heavenly Father. And this, this is what I wrote. Uh, it was first thing in the morning. Today, Ivy wouldn't settle. She was restless, uncomfortable, distracted. We changed her. We fed her. We tried to entertain her, but nothing was working. Finally, I just held her close in my arms, her head buried in my dressing gown, and she fell into a deep, peaceful sleep. All she needed was to be held in her father's arms, to hear his heartbeat, to feel his breathing, to hear his words. For too long, I have missed that with my heavenly father, that experience of just being held, of receiving affection, of not earning in the quiet. T.S. Eliot says we are distracted from distraction by distraction. What counts as a distraction? Anything that pulls me away from my primary source, my first love, anything that calls my gaze away from his presence and into lesser things. God is calling us to return to that intimacy, to return to that relationship. And as a church, we are marked by this. We are called to be people of the presence of God. And, and that's not really an abstract thing. Remembering the Lord is, is a concrete thing that we can practice every single day. Um, let me give you an example. Brother Lawrence was a 17th century monk. By many accounts, he was an ordinary guy with an ordinary life, and yet his whole world was turned upside down and totally transformed by a, what he called practicing the presence of God. And this is what he said. He said, I do nothing else but abide in his holy presence, and I do this by a simple attentiveness and an habitual loving turning of my eyes to him. I love that language of a simple attentiveness. And he calls it a habit, a habit of remembering the Lord, of returning to him, of coming back to him moment by moment, of keeping God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit at the forefront of his mind every single moment. 
He writes this later on. He says, he does not ask much of us. An occasional remembrance, a small act of worship, now to beg his grace, at times to offer him our distresses, at another time to render thanks for the favors he has given, at which he gives in the midst of your labors to find consolation with him as often as you can. At the table and in the midst of conversation, lift your heart at times towards him. The smallest remembrance will please him. I love that picture of relationship. Just every day, hour by hour, moment by moment, I'm going to remember the Lord. And the early church would do this. They would do something called fixed hour prayer, morning, noon, and night. They would set their clocks. They would go to pray. They would um, just have that rhythm, that practice, that habit built into their life so they would never forget the Lord. Daniel in the Old Testament prayed at set times. Peter in the New Testament in the book of Acts goes to the temple at certain times at three o'clock to remember the Lord. And I want to encourage you, we've just moved out of a time of prayer and fasting. But this is not the time to slow down on our praying or our fasting. God is on the move and we want to participate in what he's doing. So maybe consider setting an alarm. Maybe consider having set times throughout the day. Maybe just at noon you, you stop what you're doing and you become aware in the midst of everything that's going on, all the stresses and strains and pains and frustrations that God is with you in the midst of it. Frank Laubach, who's a 20th century uh, missionary, uh, he wrote a book, you can find it online, it's called The Game of Minutes. And in it he talks, he shares a practice he does where he tries to think about the Lord for one second of every minute of every waking day. How challenging is that? He tries to recall or remember, imagine, just think about Jesus for one second of every minute, every day. And he says this, we make him our inseparable friend. We try to call him to mind for at least one second of each minute. We do not need to forget other things or stop our work, but we invite him to share everything we do or say or think. And I think this is how we put into practice the radical call of the apostle Paul when he said, pray without ceasing. Such a challenge, such a challenge. So my first thing is, is allowing our minds to be full of him. That's how we return to the Lord. We remember him. Secondly, Jonah says this in verse 8. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. My second point is this. We must reorder our hearts. We must remember the Lord and reorder our hearts. Those who pay regard to idols. The message translation uh, says, those who worship hollow gods. Tim Keller pastor in the States, defines an idol like this. He says, an idol is anything more fundamental than God to your happiness, your meaning, and life, and identity. An idol is anything more important than God for your sense of self-worth, your significance, your sense of value, your security. An idol is anything you love more than God or rest your heart in more than God. Guys, the call to return in this season is a return to wholehearted devotion. See, idols are not necessarily bad things. They're often good things that we look to to give us what only God can give us. An idol can be anything. It can be career. 
can be a business you own. It can be family. can be success or children. It can be your spouse. It can be the need for achievement. It can be a political cause. It can be romance. It can be attractiveness. It can be human approval or power or comfort or financial security. Or, or houses. I don't know about you, but so anyone watching this go on Right Move a lot, I find myself, I'm obsessed doing my daily devotions on Right Move. Tagline for Right Move is find your happy. In other words, hey, you may be able to find a house which will finally satisfy that deep craving you've got in your soul. Uh, but actually, we recognize only God can do that. St. Augustine said that sin is really just disordered love, when our hearts love something more than God. I'm sure for every single one of us, there is stuff in there that we probably, if we're honest, we place above God. Something that if God said, hey, I want you to give me that, we would say, I can't. I can't. Maybe we just don't trust you enough, or I just don't think you're that good. But I think sometimes we've got stuff in our life that we're refusing to give God. Something that maybe if we lost it, it would make us lose the will to live. But the reality is Jonah shares in this verse is that when we place anything in our lives over and above God, we forfeit or forsake our hope of steadfast love. What does that mean? Well, the word for forfeit or forsake in that verse um, It's actually the same word used in the Old Testament for running away from God, forsaking God. Isn't that ironic? And Jonah's saying, like he's looking at his life as he's run away from God. And he's basically saying, look, if you do what I did, if you put your hope in vain idols, if you um, place other things above the call of God, above your love for God, if you do that, then you run away from God himself. You want to run away from his love. It's almost like God says, well, I'll allow you to choose to worship other things which won't love you like I do, which overpromise and under-deliver because God doesn't share the throne. So returning to the Lord has to involve a realignment of our, our hearts, a reordering of our hearts, a returning, a consecrating, a, a purifying of our inner world to make sure that Jesus, you are our king. You are our king. And here's the thing about idols. We tend to turn to idols when we are at emotional rock bottom. I don't know about you, but I see this in myself. We tend to, when I'm stressed or when I'm tired or in a pandemic, it's so easy to look to other things to satisfy us, to escape from the reality of now to other things. And yet those things will only rub us of love and rub us of joy ultimately. And so church, may we be a people who return to him. May we not be a people who pay regard to anything else but come back to him because he's the only one that will satisfy. He's the only one that will give us joy unexplainable. He's the only one that will give us a peace which surpasses all understanding. He's the only one which love, who loves us with that unending, never failing love that took Jesus to the cross for us that we might know God and be forgiven of our sins and enter eternal life and experience the kingdom. He's the only one that heals and restores and sets us free. So we need to look to him and him alone, even when life is tough. So let's honestly assess our loves and ask God, God, search me. Is there anything that is holding me back from my destiny because I'm refusing to surrender? 
And finally, the final aspect of returning is in verse 9. It says this, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. In other words, God, your will be done. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Returning affects our feet. Because it moves us once we've seen the heart of God, once we've heard his call. If we are going to be with him and be near him, then that means us saying yes to his call. Saying yes to what he has for us. Returning involves a shifting of our minds back to um, thinking about him and remembering him. It involves a shifting of our hearts back to worship him and him alone. And it involves saying yes with our feet. Faith is about saying yes. Faith is about trying. Faith is about risk. Faith is about stepping out of the boat. And we're in a season right now where there is an opportunity for revival if the church, I believe this, would simply say yes. See, Jonah got himself to a place of returning, and then he was released from the fish, and he took that message to Nineveh, where there was an unbelievable move of God and real repentance. In this prayer, Jonah finally surrenders his life. He finally recognizes that God is in control, although that's not the full story, and we're going to talk about that in a few, over the next few weeks. But actually, in this moment, he returns, and he says, what I vowed, I will pay. God, your will be done. I will say yes. Returning to God always propels us to mission. It always leads us closer to the lost. It always awakens us to the heartbreak of those around us and and causes us to step out and make a difference in people's lives. Jeremy Riddle writes this just at the end of his brilliant book, The Reset. He said, in this shaking, talking about the pandemic, we are given a precious opportunity to repent and return to the Lord, to take back up the mantle of purity and in returning and rest, discover the new things that God desires to do in us and through us. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to change people's lives, to bring hope, to extend the kingdom, to release healing and deliverance and freedom and joy into people that are hurting right now. God wants to use you. I don't know if you believe that, but it is true. Jonah returned to the Lord and obedience was an overflow of that. We have to follow Jesus and following Jesus is an action. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So church, what could it look like for us to step into mission in this season? We're doing so much already, but I know for me individually, for so many of us, there are people in our world that God is inviting us to connect with, that God is inviting us to love, to reach out to, to lift our gaze from the the floor and, and invite them to know him. And I want to invite you to be part of something in a few weeks' time called Alpha Online. Many of you will be familiar with this, but Alpha Online is a, um, a course that we do that we're launching on the 25th of February. All the information is going to come out. Um, but it's in a, a space where you can bring a friend to explore the meaning of life. We've done two Alpha Onlines over the last year, seen a whole bunch of people give their life to Jesus, launched two new small groups out of those two Alphas. Um, in my experience running it, It's one of my favorite things to do. And we are at the easiest time I think there has ever been to ever invite anyone to Alpha. 
you jump onto Zoom, you watch a video together, which is fantastic, and then you chat for half an hour in a little group. You make new friends. Do you know what? If your friends come and they hate it, they just shut the screen and they don't ever have to talk to anyone ever again. It's so easy. And I really sense there's a significant missional opportunity to see so many people give their lives to Jesus, and yet I think God's waiting for the church to rise up and step out the boat and invite. So I want to invite you to consider thinking, praying about one person that you might be able to bring to Alpha online. Thursday night, 7.30 till about 8.45. Think now, pray, get ready, because actually this is how revival starts. It doesn't start necessarily with uh, preaching to a whole city, although it did with Jonah. For so many of us, it starts with that one person who will come to Alpha and give their life to Jesus. At this last Alpha, um, after many years, I've invited one of my neighbors to come and she gave her life to Jesus. And there's such a feeling of joy that comes from that. So Alpha, 25th of February, it's gonna be amazing. One brings one, who could you bring to Alpha? And it may just change their life. We're gonna talk a lot about that over the next few weeks, but start getting ready, start thinking, start praying and start inviting. Bless you guys. It's been wonderful to share with you today. And um, that is how we return to God from this passage. We remember the Lord. Uh, We reorder our hearts and we return to mission. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I thank you that the call that you're offering us, this invitation is to return to you. Return to our first love, return to the fire, return to a life of adventure and risk and faith. And Jesus, we say yes. Come Holy Spirit and fill us up right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.